I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? This is the Bear of Texas. Welcome to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, let's proudly welcome back to the show the one and only Wiley, a.k.a. the Venomous Stare. Wiley, it is good to finally have you back on for some Cowboys talk. Well, Alex, it's great to be back, and we are talking about something interesting today. That is the draft, because for a team like the Cowboys, where the seasons are frequently lost by Thanksgiving or in some other form of disgrace, the draft is all we have to look forward to, so this should be an exciting episode. How sad is that? We can't even look forward to free agency, although we did have a bit of a solid one. Well, the Cowboys and Mavericks, and Rangers for that matter, are all notorious for missing on big free agents. But whenever I think about the Cowboys, I think of a a roster that had a lot of talent on it three years ago. And a lot of that talent is either gone or fading quickly, especially when it comes to the line. The line is just coming apart at the seams. And I think that's going to be the defining factor in the Cowboys having a losing record next year. And it's very sad to say because the division is just repulsive. So very easy to win division that they're going to not be able to win. Yeah, well, never get it, never get your hopes up. That's the advice that Cowboy fans like you and me really have to live with. And quite frankly, we have lived with it. But anyway, today, as you know, Wiley, the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft couple of surprising things so far, but so far the Cowboys had done certainly caught me by surprise because the guy that I predicted in the previous episode was taken, but a guy that I teased would definitely be a fit to the Cowboys, we took him. I gotta start off by saying, so the guy that I wanted was taken by the Broncos with the ninth pick that was right before us. And then it seems right as the Cowboys are about to make the pick, they trade the pick to the Eagles. The Cowboys get the 12th pick and get a third-round pick. And the Eagles go on and take a wide receiver out of Alabama, you know, just to make their offense more effective. And, you know, that's likely to happen. But we select Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State University. I'm going to be honest, I like the pick. I'm actually satisfied. Well, the first thing to note is need. There's always that question when you do draft shows of, what do we prioritize, best player available or need? The thing about the Cowboys is they have so many holes all over the roster that they could sort of do both because you're looking at a defense here that is literally weak at every position with Van Der Esch unable to stay healthy, being the only real player of note on the defense. The corners were horrific and susceptible to big plays. Pass rush was non-existent, and any premier pass rusher the Cowboys have, it always ends up in off-the-field issues. So middle linebacker, high tackle guy, sort of reminds me a bit of the other linebacker, Jalen Smith, that we got. But to me, this is not a real exciting pick that's going to bring the house down, or you're going to want to tune in and watch. This is taking one of the worst defenses in Cowboys history, and adding a piece that absolute best-case scenario is a very good Van Der Esch-type player that ideally would stay healthy. But this is not going to fix all the Cowboys' woes because, quite simply, they have too many flaws. 
They do, and I'm glad you, you clarify the fact that it's draft needs because a lot of fans were teasing the fact that they want the tight end, Kyle Pitts, out of University of Florida. We don't need a tight end, therefore we do not get a tight end, okay? This is not Christmas. It's not what you want. It's what you need, okay? I don't well, know really, why really that comes to down to groupthink. I don't get it. Well, it comes down to groupthink. I'll explain it for you. What happens is... Uh, this happens a lot of the time when someone has like a stellar combine or a really great championship game, sort of like the anti-Trevor Lawrence, as it were, where everyone in the draft preview discussions and, you know, the like the podcast, like the Pat McAfee show, does three hours every weekday and it's a football-focused show. So he's just talking about the draft constantly. And, of course, these networks like ESPN, they just love to ramrod football all the time even when nothing's going on and ignore baseball so what happens is is you have casual fans here all this kyle pitts slurping because he's the best position player skill position player available in the draft people know about lawrence pretty boy quarterback de facto number one and then there were some lesser known quarterbacks no one really cared about the great bama receiver but other than that it was oh kyle pitts he's so explosive People sort of look at him as a mismatch nightmare, something that's very interesting. But to me, the Cowboys were never going to get Kyle Pitts just because of where they were taking in the draft and how far up he was projected to go. He was going to go four or five, and there were teams that actually needed and wanted him way more than the Cowboys. And the Cowboys, like you said, they don't need Kyle Pitts. Like, if you look at the Cowboys' offense... They actually have a lot of weapons. Zeke, best running back in the league. Amari Cooper, top five receiver, exceptional route runner. They had a great offensive line for years and years, the best for a couple years there. I think Michael Gallup, a lot of people thought he had potential and was good, but I think we've sort of discovered he has dropsies, he has pan hands, but C.D. Lamb has sort of been right there to take his place, so... It's sort of foolish to say, oh, we need another offensive piece. Like, those are the people that see all the Dak empty passing yards at the end of games when the Cowboys have already lost and say that Dak's a good quarterback. Oh, just he needs more weapons. The Cowboys couldn't stop a nosebleed on defense last season. They have several gaping holes at entire positions. Like, they don't have any good corners. They don't have any good safeties. Like, their entire secondary is below average to bad and the, there's no rush to speak of the tackling it was the worst tackling defense in the entire league not a single heavy hitter on that team jeff heath gone and a lot of times especially the secondary players look terrified to try to make tackles alex so this was a defensive unit that was repulsive in both performance and effort so even though kyle pitts would be the flashy cute pick that you might do if you were doing like a custom season on madden it's not what you would want to go for here because just a little preview of next season, the defense is still going to be terrible and the offense is going to be way worse because the line has severely regressed and Dak is coming off of an injury. So the Cowboys, I say, are going to win four to five games next season. It's very realistically possible. That's why, you know, when you talk about the offensive line problems, that's why I had dreams of, of them getting Penai Sewell. Surprisingly, the Bengals passed on him and then Detroit was right there to take him. But this dude, Micah Parsons, looking at the dude's highlights, I like what I see. And reading his uh, draft co- his draft profile and ch- check out his pre-draft analysis, 
A solid tackler with good size and excellent range. Disruptive interior run defender with a foot speed to slip blocks and bursts to shoot gaps. Covers ground in zone, has great man-to-man cover traits, and flashes as a pass rusher. And the highlights I've seen, Wiley, this dude runs right through the opposing defensive line where they're occupied. He sneaks through the back door. He can tackle the running back for a loss. He can sack the quarterback out of nowhere. And I've seen plays where they try a fake. He does not get fooled. So I've seen a good sign. But as you said, you know, and there's more things that we got to cover because as far, as far as how his strength goes, but as, in your words, as repulsive as the defense is, that a defense, I like to say, that couldn't even stop a damn peewee team, He's one man, but you know what? There's a there's one guy that we can talk about positively so far, and at least there's one guy to be excited about. Because honestly, it's better than nothing, but really, it doesn't really help much, does it? No, and what you really have to focus on here, if you're a Cowboy fan, is the flaws of the team and your expectations. So I'm not saying be sad and don't ever watch football and it's a waste of time and come back and be a fair weather fan when they're good or anything like that. The point that I am making is this, is that if you're thinking that Mika here is going to save the team, you're sadly mistaken. Like there could literally have 26 year old Brian Urlacher come in and it, like you wouldn't be able to salvage the defense. It's that bad. You know, I hate to say this, but I honestly believe that Micah Parsons may drive Leighton Van Der Esch out of town. It's sad too. Uh- I don't. I don't think that's true because the Cowboys have so little depth. They can just like play them both, move one to outside. Like if your entire defense is riddled with people who, if you had them on a scale from one to ten, one being awful, ten being god tier, and five being average, everyone on the Cowboys defense ranks at four and a half or lower, except for Van Der Esch. So I think the idea that he gets a run out of town is sort of laughable because it's like they would just move one of them. The rest of the team is so insanely weak. If anything, they would run Smith out of town. What I would be really concerned about is Vandrush getting injured again because he's one more severe injury away from following his predecessor, Sean Lee, into an early retirement. You know, it, it's sad too. And, and speaking of Sean Lee, he announced his retirement just a few days ago. So maybe we should have seen this coming, Wiley. Sean Lee retires. The Cowboys decide to take the chance of getting the next elite Penn State quarterback to keep that tradition going. I mean, it's merely a thought. And you're right, you're right about Leighton Van Der Esch. I mean, I guess you should say, if we're going to talk about running somebody out of town, that would certainly be Jalen Smith. Now, Jalen Smith did, in fact, lead the team in tackles. But you know what? Those tackles came when he, actually, when he already had missed one or two. They came late, okay? Well, Jalen Smith is average. It's not like I'm saying Jalen Smith is bad. He's probably the second best player on the defense to Van Der Esch, but Van Der Esch is legitimately a guy, like a star-level player on defense whenever he's healthy, like an 8 out of 10 overall player. And with whenever we saw him performing very well in his first two years, it was like maybe this guy could improve even more. Obviously, the injuries really derailed his career, but it's an interesting idea if you just sort of kick around well, if the Cowboys add some defensive pieces in the second and third round, remember we got that extra pick from Philly. I love the trade because, as I pointed out earlier, you don't need any more offensive weapons, so you don't mind not being able to get to t- get to take the exceptional Alabama receiver. And more importantly, you get that third. When you have this many holes, it really helps to be able to get those extra second-round picks 
extra third round picks, extra fourth round picks, because the Cowboys are, have never been particularly good at developing guys. So if you put yourself in a situation where you can fire these extra streets, get these extra opportunities to nail your picks, you love to see that. And it really addresses a critical need that Philadelphia had at receiver. You know, this is a team that when you think of Philly receiver, you're like, Alshon Jeffrey, question mark? Like, this. remember, this is the team that won a Super Bowl with Zach Ertz carrying the offense. Like, Nelson Aguilar was on that receiving core. None of these names ever sort of ring out as something that is to be feared. And pretty much any time a big-name receiver goes to Philly, it seems to fizzle their career. And if you look at the disgusting way that that organization has handled their quarterbacks, it's no surprise. The whole wince foles dichotomy, letting the wrong one go, and then letting the other one go right after, it was pretty much an unscrew-upable situation, and they managed to just F it up beyond recognition. So now they're going with Jalen Hurts, which means they're an even weaker team. Philly, like the Cowboys, I think look good on paper. I don't think they looked as good as the Cowboys. That line for the Cowboys is incredible, but really, I think if you're a Philly fan, you're feeling a lot like a Cowboy fan, where it's like, how are we so bad in such an easy division? And we're not going to... You're sort of looking around like, who is going to win the East? Like, it's sort of disgusting to think about, but you can't imagine Dallas and Philly are going to win eight games. I don't see that happening. I honestly believe the Giants may be the favorite because the Giants did have a strong free agency. And with that trade they made with the, uh, I believe it was with the Bears, if I'm correct. Well, they made a trade, and they, I think it was with the Bears because the Bears went in and took a quarterback. They took the dude from Ohio State. Fields. Yeah, Fields. So, I mean, you know, one of the guys I work with with primetime sports talk, he's a very good, unique football genius. He would say that it's a possibility that the Bears are trying to make up for the repugnant Mitchell Trubisky pick. But, you know, the fact that they gave up a lot to get, you know, fields, I'm like, this could work or it might not. You never know how it goes in the NFL because, you know, how many times have we seen the dudes with all the potential become a laughing stock of a bust, Wiley? How many times have we seen that? Well, it happens a lot, but if you're going to talk about all the potential, I think you would have to point to Lawrence and Jacksonville because Fields, a lot of people thought was a typical, explosive, flashy, college-style quarterback. And remember, it wasn't until he severely outperformed Trevor Lawrence that his draft stock went up so significantly. Before that game had occurred, everyone was in agreement that Lawrence was the de facto number one and no one else was close. After that, it was a lot of people were speculating Fields was maybe even go to or usurp him. A lot of some crazy people who are really high on the supply were thinking. But what's interesting to me is that if you look at the skill positions and quarterback, this Lawrence guy is a great example of the sort of person you're referring to, the can't miss prospect. Everyone sees Trevor Lawrence and his like five career or lifetime career football losses, like from sixth grade to now which is insane, and like, well, you can't miss on this guy. But Jacksonville is just a disgusting disgrace of a franchise that was at the AFC title game beating the Patriots at halftime and in only a few short years grenaded it away to be the most dysfunctional organization in all of the NFL. It just really makes me sad whenever I see these top-tier incredible prospects coming out of college and they just have to go into some absolutely ridiculous scenario 
where they're almost doomed to fail. And I'm just very sad to see that happen because I look at the situation and I want Lawrence to succeed. And I think that he's going to crash and burn. I think it's impossible to succeed in Jacksonville. And Fields getting picked doesn't surprise me. Chicago has shown that's their big move is like the short-term flashy gamble-gamble. They're literally just now recovering from the Mitch Trubisky era. Like this exact same strategy they tried and it blew up in their face. So doesn't surprise me at all. It's typical of the Bears and it's why they've been mediocre for so long. You know, based on how your unique knowledge of football, Wiley, it seems that maybe being a Cowboys fan is not the worst. Well, there's certainly worse organizations with the Cowboys than the Cowboys. Also, like, at least they have won multiple titles and had the title record for a while. Now, anytime I hear any of that raw, raw 90 shits from these old head Cowboy fans, I really roll my eyes because we're so far removed from that era. It's like, to me, it's not really like this exactly, but it sort of gives me the same emotions as whenever Fairweather Yankee fans in the mid-2000s would say, like, 28 rings, 27 rings, and it was like... Those were all from the 50s. You couldn't name a single player off that roster. Like, you couldn't name a single player off the 78 roster. And a, a lot of times I feel like some of these blowhard, casual Cowboy fans love to sit there and talk about the rings. And it's like, yeah, the only reason you know who Troy Aikman is is because he calls the games on Fox. Like, the Cowboys have got to win now. They have to establish their legacy as America's team. They have to reestablish it, that is. They can't keep going on in this disgraceful manner, but I just really don't think that that's in the cards. I think the era where the Cowboys really had the opportunity to carve out their own legacy post like 95 was 2014 to 2016. The year where obviously Des caught it was the golden opportunity, but a couple years after that, they also had enough like star-level hungry players on rookie-friendly contracts, team-friendly rookie contracts, and where they could just have an insanely stacked rest of the team, serviceable defense, good line. And now you're going to see what it looks like when a motherfucker is paid $40 million a year who's middling. Like these, these, I would say that at about week 15 of next year, fans are going to start to say to themselves, wow, the stat contract really was a disaster and I was an idiot for defending him so hard. And other fans are going to say, well, it's his line. He doesn't have a line. And they would have completely forgotten that he had the best line in the league for four years and did piss all with it. Then he was filled with avarice and had to have the biggest contract in the league. And guess what happens when you do that? You can't afford the supporting cast. Everyone loves to get paid. There's two things that I'm not going to hear after Dak turning down. Remember when he was offered the third most quarterback money last year and turned his nose up at it? Well, now he got the most money, and he's in a position where he's going to have to carry the team. I don't want to hear any fucking excuses about the line or injuries or the defense or anything else because when you get these big money, franchise quarterback, God-level contracts, then you're expected to carry the team, hard carry the team. So whenever the Cowboys are terrible next season and Dak is a little less mobile and his line is worse and he goes from being barely above average to average to being absolutely unplayably bad and people are kind of looking at each other like, what happened? You can go back and watch some of the old episodes that I've done with Bear Man here where years ago we were talking about 
Look, Dak has the keys to the freaking Lamborghini. Best line in the league. Best back in the league. Star receivers. And what does he do? He looks okay. How good do you think a Matt Stafford or a Matt Ryan or an Aaron Rodgers would look in these offenses? They would win 13-plus games every year. So, as a Cowboy fan, you have to be asking yourself, how good is Dak Prescott? Because he was good enough to limp into the playoffs when he had a God team, and now his team is way worse, and they have way less cap space to work with because of his grotesque avarice. So, Alex, to me, even as a hardcore Cowboy fan, I'm sort of sitting here looking at the draft like, well, I mean, I'm kind of excited because we we don't even have a top 10 pick even before, you know, so it's just sad. You know, you're not really going to change the franchise with a, a 12th overall middle linebacker pick when your entire depth chart is a blank slate, minus Vandresh, who's always hurt. So what are your thoughts on the defense going into the upcoming season? And who do you think the Cowboys will target in future rounds, position-wise? Well, before I answer the question, you know, everybody wondered why I didn't lose it when I did an episode on Prescott signing the deal. The reason why, to be honest, is because I'm saving the anger and criticism for when it's going to be well-needed. That's going to be in the regular season. But well, and it was we, expected, too. Yeah. We sort of figured he was going to get paid. Yeah. I mean, sure, he's the guy with the experience. He knows the offense, but you know what? It doesn't change a thing. But, now, how do I feel about the defense going to next year? Well... Well, number one, the one thing to keep an eye on. Well, we got rid of we got rid of Mike Nolan, and thank God we did. He was now, horrible. Everybody, Clueless. everybody's very unhappy about about us hiring Dan Quinn. How do I feel about it? Look, it was okay. Well, we we hired the guy. You know, look, he's obviously not the same situation as he was in Seattle. But I feel like Dan Quinn is the guy that can have more success as a defensive coordinator than a, than a than a head football coach. Are we talking about a former Atlanta coach, Dan Quinn, the Atlanta yeah, Falcons he's, he's, choker, Dan Quinn? That's the, what people are mad. He's our defensive coordinator. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Well, you can see why people are upset because even your most casual normie brain-dead football fan is familiar with that insane choke job the Falcons did. And that, like, when you get to that 28-3 to with three minutes left in the third quarter, it takes an exceptional amount of stupidity and arrogance to choke that lead away. And I think that if you look at the Cowboys' defensive coordinators, we haven't had shit since Ryan. Like, you're sitting here thinking, like, well, he was bad, he was bad, that was a literally record-breakingly bad defense. Like, no one could hit. Ryan, even though he was overrated and not that good, was the last guy who at least, like, had a theory and a mantra. Defense isn't like offense. Defense is a lot about mojo and heavy hitting and it's sort of like a bandit mentality of they want to band together and do damage and cause turnovers excuse me whereas offense is more about follow the quarterback and coordination and uh listening to audibles and reading the defense was, uh, in other words defense is more of like a raw raw type uh, emotional side of the football so that's one thing that Ryan had in spades. I felt like Ryan could get his guys to play hard, which is a very important thing to be able to do whenever you look at the, the Cowboys this season. And it literally looked as though the safeties didn't want to hit. If you go back and watch some of these Cowboys VODs from last season, the tackle jobs are disgraceful. And I don't mean like they're getting juked out of their shoes. I just mean like the effort is shit. The effort was just appalling. 
But to finish uh, answering your question, well, the defense, I'm not entirely sold on it. Now, we did sign a couple of guys, uh, not expensive guys, but guys that are definitely useful, especially the, the dude, the safety we signed out of, out of Atlanta. But I did stress the fact that while his numbers are respectfully, respectfully good, his athleticism can't be ignored. His, it's his health. Now, the dude's, the dude's had uh, injury problems during his time with the Falcons. But as far as the defense goes, I, I the defense might slightly be better. But that's the key word right there, right there, Wiley. Slightly. Slightly could mean just 1% better. I don't expect the defense to be the best as far as coverage goes because I seriously don't think that's going to happen. I think the defense could... You know, here's the biggest problem in my opinion. Well, at least one of the biggest problems. It's the inability to get to the quarterback. Now, people say I'm over-exaggerating when I say this because I, I say it's humiliating. I'm like, it is humiliating. The fact that we've seen quarterbacks about to get sacked, they just slightly move, they get away, they make a big play. That is unacceptable, especially the fact that our top defensive line is making, in the words of Wiley, a.k.a. the Venomous Stairs words, in your words, Wiley, God-tier money, okay? And he's not producing what we want. Okay, that's yeah. the problem. Have I mean, all the everybody's saying because all the injuries. Look, all these excuses. You know, have we forgotten just how important winning is? I mean, that's that's the that's the main problem out of the Cowboys the last twenty five years. Out of everything you and I could write down, all the problems. The main problem is Wiley. They have forgotten that winning is important, or maybe that, or they just don't care about winning. Either way, it goes. But we <laughs> all know that apparently winning is not part of the Cowboys strategy anymore. That is pathetic. Okay, you have to win games. You don't win. You don't win games, and anything you do doesn't mean crap. Okay, that's what we're not doing. We're not winning games, and with how our defense is, and how I don't think it's going to change very much, we're not going to win games. That's why it's realistic that that we're probably going to win four or five games at best. So to answer to, to fully answer the question, I don't expect the defense to be that much better. I mean, if it does, then yeah, of course I'll do the right thing. I'll say I was wrong, but I really doubt that's going to happen. Well, even if they improve significantly, that would only put them at like 18th, 17th area of defensive ranking, and that would win them, what, like an extra two games? Like, the the even if the, everything went right in way better than you would ever expect or hope for, the peak performance of the defense is still way lower than it needs to be. Well, we could possibly go to 8-8, eight and eight, what we're really known for being, 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just depressing to cheer for the Cowboys because... You had idiots for so long, just completely delusional, talking about just how great Dak was and how we just need to give him another chance, just one more year of Dak, another chance. And that happened for years and years and years. And now here we are, Dak's gotten paid without winning anything, and all of these moron fans who don't have any idea what they're talking about are going to be in for an absolutely brutal lesson whenever they see how awful the stack experience is. It's going to be brutal. And they're going to say that you and I are merely just exaggerating. I'm like, guys, okay, Wiley and I, we know sports journalism, okay? The one thing you have to understand is show no fear to telling the truth. If that means you get death threats, if that means you get hated on, so be it. It's because people just don't know the position that we are in. Wiley and I took an oath to report the news the way it should be, okay, to do it without any fear. Tell it like it is. That's exactly what we do. Okay. Well, if you if you want to have someone say, "Oh yeah, Demarcus Lawrence is going to get 15 sacks. The Cowboys are going to win 11 games." You can go listen to the fan. But if you want to hear people tell it like it is and be intellectually honest and talk about people's flaws 
and not just blow smoke up your ass and tease interviews that are garbage that happen in five hours. You listen to us. If you want to hear a bunch of insipid garbage where delusional people call in and say, well, what's going on? Why doesn't Dak have any more of them 400-yard games? Yeah, that's what, that's what normal FM radio for is, folks. And if you get very indignant and unhappy about being told very obvious things about people like Dak Prescott, probably means that you've been listening to terrestrial radio for too long. I mean, it's unfortunate, but... But yeah, I hope I. But uh, I, did I answer your question, Wiley, about the defense? Absolutely. Okay. Now, going. You know. You know. Now, as far as you know, our first round pick, because uh, you know, he's still on my mind. You know, have you seen any of his tapes? Any. Any. I mean, I, I should stop using tapes because tapes is such an old school word. But I just, I, I just prefer to use it. But have you seen any of his tapes from his playing days at Penn State? Yeah, I've seen some of his highlights, and to me. He just strikes me as a very solid player who's never going to be a top-tier playmaker, an exceptionally heavy hitter, or a guy who people truly fear or have to plan around because I just don't think he has that peak level of talent. I think his peak would be like a Van Der Esch level, which is obviously good, but we're talking about a 12th overall pick here, and it's like, that's just not going to cut it. I mean... It's unfortunate because you know he's got he's very talented, but as you mentioned, how atrocious the defense is. He's one man. It's like he's he's one man, you know, in the wild with with a stick and a stone in his head, and he's, and he's got and he's got a and he's got a fight like that. One man with a stick and a stone in his hand sounds like you're describing our old defensive coordinator. I mean, I don't know. the The bottom line is, he's a great. Micah Parsons is a great player. Now, unfortunately, one one of the hiccups as far as he goes is. Well, his experience, obviously, you know, he's in his freshman year, he only started one game. Although, here's something that's actually very, very interesting. Even though he only played, he only started one game his freshman year, he managed to lead the team in tackles with 82, and he became the first Nittany Lion player to ever lead the team in tackles as a freshman. That's cool. And, you know, his second season obviously was the best season of his career. You know, he actually started, I believe, 12 games in 13 appearances. Finished with 109 tackles, five sacks, three defect—excuse me, three deflected passes, three forced fumbles—and he went on to be na- named uh, the 2019 Cotton Bowl Classic Defensive MVP after he had 14 tackles in that game, two sacks, and two forced fumbles. I, di- I remember watching that game; he was he was amazing. Now, as far as the experience goes, he opted out of, of out of the 2020 season because of you know this whole goddamn you know pandemic, which you know I'm really hoping end soon because I've had it up to here but and it's unfortunate that he's in a situation with the, with the experience is a question because when people say okay well so what he, he played one full year I'm like okay, one full year might not be enough remember Mark Sanchez when he uh, when the Jets took him I mean he only had one ex- one full year of experience and that did not work out well you need to have that experience okay experience means something doesn't it not it does, but how do you get experience? You play, so it's basically going to be like staying in college, playing for the Cowboys. So he'll be able to accrue his experience. I mean, the bright side of that is, well, you know, at least there's there's no recent injuries to worry about. But that's true. Yeah, and another thing is, you know, uh, all these cool things, you know, has like I said, he has the foot quickness, and he can change of direction of a running back. 
Elite range with burst and speed. That's rarely seen from a linebacker. Yeah, I, I took notes just so everybody knows that's what I do. Athletic talent to handle man coverage duties. Able to bend and flatten to quarterback as an edge rusher. Talented hunter when the blitz is, is dialed up. I mean, a, a lot of great things. A lot of things that can't be ignored. Now, obviously, we have to look. I did take a look at the weaknesses because if, if we're going to describe a player that we drafted, you got to go through the strengths and the weaknesses because we have to get to know our new guy, especially if he has that potential that he has right now. We got to get to know him. Now, he's got to prove his ability to find solo tackles. And like I said, he lacks experience, unfortunately. He runs out of position in unnecessary early changes, loses gap leverage, sidestepping lead blocks, and you know stiff hands miss out on easy interceptions. Now that's something that's unfortunately it's painful to deal with, but that has to be that can't be ignored. Stiff hands that miss out on easy interceptions, because interceptions is something that the Cowboys have struggled with for a few years now. We don't get enough interceptions. I mean, it's it's the other way around. It's our quarterback doing the interceptions, but not our defense. No one on the fucking defense can catch it all, especially the corners who can neither catch nor hit. You know, if we're talking about from cornerbacks from last year, the only one that I actually thought did a good job was the rookie was Trayvon Diggs. I mean, even though he got hurt, you know, I, I still like what I saw. But you know, like he's just like he's just like Parsons. He's one dude out there in the wild. How is he supposed to do it by himself? And he was a rookie too, a, a, and a, a, ro- a rookie, you know, out there, you know, refusing to go down, even though how terrible it is. I mean, this dude's. It's like playing as if his life is depending on it. Well, I mean, I, di- I didn't find it particularly impressive, but considering his rookie status, is something to build off of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's, it's like Wiley said. There are names to, to look forward to, but if they're not doing anything, then it's all for naught, okay? Now, I was asked by one of, our, uh, one of my friends who's a loyal listener of this show who loves this show, who, as a matter of fact, loves everything I do, including my new pro wrestling podcast, he asked me, what do I think of Tristan Hill? And I said, look, he last year he got off to a good start and things were starting to go well until he, he suffered a, a torn ACL. You know, I feel like Tristan Hill is definitely a guy that's going to have to prove himself because if, if not, if he, if he keeps getting hurt like Leighton Vander Esch, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just more wasted potential. And wasted potential, that another huge problem in the last 25 years. How much potential has been wasted, Wiley? A plethora. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's sad. You know, the fact that Wiley and I have to deal with the fact that we are too young to remember the Super Bowl winning days. I mean, we are. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you were you were, you were I think you were born the same year the when the Cowboys when the Cowboys won their last Super Bowl. You were you were born right before that season, ninety five. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a fucking lifetime ago, literally, and. It's just, we're so far removed from it, you can't even really reference it as anything but history, so. Exactly. Very annoying as a Cowboy fan, man. And since, and since 1996, and just so everybody knows, I was three years old the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. I was three years old, I was in France, I didn't even speak any English. And I, didn't even, I had no idea that I was going to actually move to, this, uh, to the United States of America. And the fact that everything since then, we've the Cowboys have done very little to... I mean, overall, it's absolutely nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah, we won a couple of NFC's titles, but what did we make out of it? Nothing! I mean, what good does it do if you win the NFC's title and no one expects you to, but you, you, you don't build on it? It doesn't matter at the end of the day, because nobody's going to talk about it. I mean, as far as the Cowboys goes, when, we come, when it comes to talking about the Cowboys... 
it's nine, 99.9% negativity. It hurts, yeah. me, it hurts me to say this, but as long as Jerry Jones is in charge, we're not winning the Super Bowl. Okay? It, 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 it's been this problem with, with the ego for 25-plus years, and, and, every, and all these fans saying... the whole, it's, it, We've talked about this. Every year, they say the same thing. This is our year. I'm like... What what makes you think all of a sudden it's gonna change? I still ask those questions to fans today. They don't answer me because they have nothing to say. There is no lo- there's no solid answer out of them. I said, what makes you think that Jerry Jones is all of a sudden gonna see the light and actually get the heck out of the way? It won't happen. I'm well, so- Jerry's, Jerry's, Jerry has made a basically a career for the last twenty years out of taking an exceptionally mediocre guy who's often troubled or has other bad flaws and, like, way overpaying him and sort of, like, patting himself on the back, ostentatiously being like, oh, we're trying. Look, we're trying to compete. He dumps all this money on Demarcus Lawrence. That was never anything other than above-average flash in the pan. Dumps all this money on Dak, who we've talked about extensively, and it's like... He sort of looks around the room and he's like, see, Cowboys fans, look how much I care. And the, the Dak contract was so bad, it was one of those deals that, like, even right after you do it, you're sort of sitting there, like, already regretting it. Like, the ink is not even dry on the deal and Jerry's already over there, just, like, wringing his hands, like, oh, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of money when you realize you can't afford to pay but two linemen. I will say pay, paying the players, that's not helping. But, you know, and, you know, when I did a, I did a, I did a couple of Super Bowl uh, talks on the, on this show. And, and I, I wanted to know why exactly did Jimmy Johnson leave the Cowboys? Because everybody says it was because of a, it was a, it was a fall or, I'm not sure the term, but he had a falling out obviously with Jerry Jones. But I want to know why. There's a reason. And part of the reason is because he allegedly said, I mean, I have to say allegedly because, you know, I, this is just from notes and, you know, sources. It's because he allegedly said in a press conference that anybody, any coach could have helped the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. And based on how Jimmy Johnson built this team, that's a total insult. Yeah, Jerry likes to pat himself on the back and hire yes men. He's like your typical bad boss who, like, has his head in his ass and doesn't know what he's doing. Great fucking example of that, if you just think about it, is like he he did really well in the 90s, but he's just been so laughably inept since then. Even the Cowboys teams that we liked and thought were really good and looked really good, like the 13 win, like Romo and T.O. team, or the 2014 Des Caudet team. And I Honestly, like even those teams were deeply flawed, and if you were looking at when the playoffs started, they weren't like, they oftentimes weren't even in the top two might have been seated there once or twice but they weren't like a first or second best team a lot of the time so they definitely weren't now i gotta now as we wrap this up now i have to answer your question now here's the needs as we go to the other rounds the cowboys need a cornerback an offensive lineman a safety and a defensive lineman well well you know there's a safety i don't know if he's been picked yet i got i gotta check there's the safety out of texas christian university that's actually that I've had my eye on. I actually went to a TCU game and watched it. And he, I could have sworn that was him because I saw. I just remember seeing a safety that has speed, that can jump, that can deflect passes, that can cover well. I would swear that that it was that guy. Now, if the Cowboys are fortunate enough that in the second round, once they're turned, if he's there, 
I feel he's the guy to get. Well, to me, it's sort of depressing because it's so ludicrously inefficient to think that you can build an entire defense from one draft, but hopefully the Cowboys can improve, Alex, because I don't know how much more of this garbage I can take. You know, and the fact is, you know, you and I were young. The f- and the fact that it's possible that we could we have to suffer for this for a long time. Oh, it's hard to deal with it. But yeah, it seems yeah, his name is Trayvon Morig. Okay, and uh, another guy. Actually, I spoke this in a preview episode uh, last time. Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. That dude could certainly do well. And there's also Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State University. So, if those guys are still there, those are three names the Cowboys definitely have to look into. Well, hopefully they pick someone that can make an immediate impact on the team. Totally. Now i got to take a look Oh, the Cowboys, like, the second round. Who, which pick? Well, I'll watch the Jack. Okay, yeah, it's going to be a while. The Cowboys have the, you know, the 44th pick next. And, you know, and, you know I, I, always, I always have to ask myself each year, wait, so is it, is it just the second and third on, on night two? Which it is, and the Cowboys have... Uh, Three, three for a three third round pick. So that's definitely, a, I guess, something. But you never know when a trade could happen. So I would not get your hopes up. You know, expect the unexpected. I mean, that's that's how we go with the Cowboys, right? Expect the unexpected, right? No, usually I expect losing and get what I expect. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. In that case, you're absolutely right. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Cowboys talk. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Wiley, it was such an honor to finally have you back on. God knows how much I've missed listening to you share your unique knowledge in the fine sport of football. While you are a baseball genius, you are also a football genius. It was just an honor to have you back on, and I definitely cannot wait to have you back on. Well, Alex, it's great to be on your show as always, and I'll be back throughout the season intermittently to pick through the bones. You're damn right you will. Folks, Wiley, you can expect Wilder to be a, more aggressive than he was last year. I can guarantee you that. Well, I don't know if that's possible. We might just get uh, banned off all the platforms if that's the case, but it should be exciting. Thank you very much, Wiley. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time. How about them Cowboys? Easy.